This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. to have you here today. Um, the Bible in Joshua chapter 20, that's where I'm going to be reading from today if you have that. And I think it's interesting that uh, our sister here read from Psalms this morning and talked about Christ being our refuge and, and our safety and our safe place that we go to. Uh, this morning I'm actually going to preach a message. It has nothing to do with you, Pastor. I didn't come to roast you. I didn't come to make fun of you. I didn't come to even talk about you. Really, I come to talk about Jesus and talk about how good he is and we're just going to celebrate you and give you a whole, a whole bunch of gifts and a love offering and money and the things that you really want. And, and we're going to go on about our day, right? Amen. Is this too raw for you guys? Come on. Jesus was pretty raw whenever he was talking to his disciples, wasn't it? It was a time. Anyway, this is, listen, let me get on the sermon that we're supposed to get on. I got ADD like a crazy rabbit going after a, I don't know what today. Joshua chapter 20, verse 1. Do y'all stand or sit for the reading of the word? Doesn't really matter. Well, then let's read it together. The Lord also spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint for yourselves cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he flees to one of these cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case, in the hearing of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. Then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he, he struck his neighbor unintentionally but did not hate him beforehand. That's called premeditated murder. So uh, for those of you who watch all the murder shows today. And he shall dwell in the city until he stands before the congregation of judgment and until the death of the one who is high priest in those days. And then the slayer may return to come to his own city of his own house to the city from which he fled. Now, this would be really funny if I said, OK, we're going to read the next two verses out loud together. But I'm not going to do that to you because these, are, these cities are hard to say. So verse seven, it says this. So they appointed Kadesh and Galilee in the mountains of Naphtali. Shechem and the mountains of Ephraim, and Kerhoth Arba, which is Hebron, and the mountains of Judah. And then on the other side, say other side. On the other side of the Jordan, by Jericho eastward, they assign Bezer in the wilderness of the plain from the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth and Gilead from the tribe of Gad, and Golan and Beshan from the tribe of Manasseh. That's a mouthful right there, isn't it, folks? And these cities were appointed from all children of Israel and for the stranger who dwelt among them. Tap your neighbor and say stranger. That whoever killed a person accidentally might flee there and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. Father, this morning... I know that probably this congregation is listening to this word this morning saying, where is this preacher going? 
But God, your word is true and it's faithful to us. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts this morning. Challenge us. Remind us who you are and whose we are in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Y'all ready for this? Awesome. You guys look so beautiful today. So good to be here. This is what it says. Three things I want us to look at from this story. Number one, the nature of these cities. What's the nature of these cities for us? And then how is this going to be applied into our journey? Why would a person need a city of refuge? Well, they needed a city to flee from in time of complicated uh, decisions that were made. Uh, they didn't have a court system like what we have today. They didn't have a judicial system. They didn't have sheriffs. They didn't have Barney Fife, all right? They didn't have that. And so this is something that was commanded down from Moses to Joshua to carry out. Because if you look in Numbers, you'll see that God actually told Moses this very same thing to create these cities of refuge. And as we look at these cities, when we think about what's the nature of these cities, what's the purpose of them for them to have them, and it's a place for us, as we read in the scripture, for them to run to for safety, for them to go to to keep from being killed if an accident happened, all right? Now, you have to understand, back then, they, they didn't get to, they, it wasn't like today. We wrap our kids in bubble wrap before we send them out to play, all right? They didn't do like that. Now, some of my old-timers, you remember the day we actually rode in the back of a pickup truck, and you actually rode a bicycle without a helmet, and you actually uh, had uh, uh, rode skateboards without knee pads and elbow pads. I mean, you, you remember the day whenever you didn't, you, you weren't wrapped in bubble wrap and protection wrap and, and all these pads to just go outside, and their day was even more dangerous than what our day was. I mean, they could have been working with a neighbor and pushing some rocks off the cliff, and a rock falls on them and kills him. Well, what... Whenever that happens, there was an avenger of blood, which is the closest nexus next to kin to that person that died. That was the avenger. He was the one that was to go find the one who killed him and kill them. And, and it was basically the law was an eye for an eye, right? Y'all remember that? Y'all know that scripture in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye? And so that was kind of the law that they lived under. So what was the nature of these cities? It was a refuge. It was a safe place that if an accident happened, not premeditated murder, not someone who was ready to go kill somebody because they didn't like them, but something that just happened by accident, they could go to these cities and, and, and find refuge and find safety. And as we think about, you know, kind of where we are, there's all kinds of accidents that could happen, but we all, even today, need safety. I mean, think about the, if you were to speak prophetically about the Lord Jesus Christ and, and look at the, the concept of who he is. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, the Bible says that we see something very promising there, that great security there is ours. It says, by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie that we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us. I believe the writer of Hebrews was saying, just as those cities were a refuge in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, our Savior, was a refuge in the New Testament and a refuge for us today. Are y'all with me this morning? It's going to take a little history and understanding to get to the message and the meat of where we're going. If you can hang with me this morning and don't doze off, just, just be right there. But if you look at Joshua 23.3, it says that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. 
This was not a refuge for the premeditated or the cold-blooded, but a place that they could go for safety. The nature of this city was a place that they could go for safety. Listen, I don't know about you, and I know we're celebrating pastor today, but pastor is not your refuge today. You hear me? This church is not your refuge today. This is not where we run for safety. I know that we feel safe here, and I know that we feel a peace here. We should anyway. But isn't there even turmoil that happens in the very pew of the church, if we're just honest today? Isn't there even difficulties that happen in murder with the words that we speak inside the church house? So don't think for an instant that this is your refuge today. Christ Jesus is your refuge. Christ is the one that we run to. Christ our Savior is the one that we have hope in today. Christ is the one that we go to for peace and understanding and for and for well-being. He is our safe place. All of us in life are guilty. All of us in life are held accountable for the death of Jesus. You may have heard it said that you and I were the ones holding the hammer and nails at the foot of the cross. And you would say, no, not me. I would never crucify Jesus. I would never hold him in content for the life that he lived. But in reality, we all are guilty of crucifying Jesus. Matter of fact, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In leadership, Bill Isaacs and other leaders say this. We don't know what to do because we don't know what to do. Sometimes you just don't know what to do. And Jesus is telling us and telling the Father, hey God, go ahead and forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know that they're in sin. They don't know that I'm the Savior delivering them from the life of sin. They don't know this yet. We're all born into sin according to the Word of God, right? And some of us, as a young age, we just live long. We just go along, bumping along, not thinking anything of it. There's people in the world today that they haven't even thought about Jesus dying for them. They don't even wake up in the morning. They're not waking up today saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, for another life on this earth. They're just waking up as if it's another day to go through the motions of life, to excel, to exceed for themselves, and to get self-gain. And probably in their minds, they're just going to die. And when they die, they just go to the earth, and that's it. But for us in the church today, we know that there's a different story. We know that Christ is our refuge. We know that we can go to him for safety. We know that we can go to him for peace and love and joy and understanding. And we wake up and we know that we're here today and there's a place. And so this nature of this city is developed for safety. There's an enemy that's after you and me today. There's an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy He wants to do that to the church. He wants to do that to the families in the church. He wants to do that to the children of God. Why? Because you destroy the children of God, you destroy the building called the church. You destroy the family of God, you attack the family of God, you attack the the building of the church. You attack the man of God, you attack the church. You hear me today? You attack those that are under his shepherdship and leadership. And if we're not careful, we'll allow the enemy to come in just because of a feeling or an emotion or a hurtfulness that's been maybe proclaimed or professed over us or to us, and we will allow that to destroy what God is trying to do through us instead of saying, no, I'm going to run to my safe place in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to run to that city of refuge in who he is, and I'm going to hold fast and know that he will make a way where there seems to be no way in my life. So we see that there's a nature here that Jesus has set up for us through the Old Testament and New Testament parallel that we have a place of safety. 
Secondly, the names of these cities. Now listen, I am not a Greek scholar or a Bible scholar, and I don't understand even today where we are in our culture where we put our kids' names together. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, names meant something. Today, you know, parents have kids, and they just think of where they conceive the child, and they say, well, let's just name him part of the conception place and part of where we are now, and that's what our kid's name's going to be. Right? I mean, Mary went to school with a, with a person, and their person's name was Shathid. But if you take a moment and spell it, it was S-H-I-T-H-E-A-D. It's a little slow for some of you. It'll register eventually. But that's what the parents named their child. Shathid. We'll have a session after church to either ask forgiveness or explain it one or the other. But the names of the cities mean something. See, they finally got it. The names of the cities mean something to these people in the Bible. And they reflect something to us today. And just like we think about the names that we give our family members and our, our children, we named our kids because we knew of who they were and what they were going to do. And, 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 and we believed before God ever gave them to us that he would let us name them for him, not for us. And so some people don't they just look at it differently. But in Joshua chapter 7 and 8, which is where this part of the story is, we see all the cities and what they were named. There were six different cities. There was three that was on the north and three on the east, or the south, southeast, southwest, northeast, northwest, southeast, southwest. And there was a river that was running between. So there was three on one side of the river and three on the other side. And we get to look at these cities and we look at these names and their significance here. I mean, you think about where we are today. I mean, you think of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. You know, there's, we, we, we kind of do the same concept here in, in America. But the first city was Kadesh, which means a place of holiness. All right? A place of holiness. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, without holiness, no man shall see God. Without holiness, no man shall see God. If I were to poll you in the room today and say, do you think you're holy? If you are, stand up and tell us why you're holy and how you became holy. There's not a single one of us in this place today that would stand up and say, you know what? I'm holy. I've got it all together. I, I'm the one and this is how it became. Not a single one of us can. But there's a great news for us today that Jesus Christ opens a way of escape so that we don't have to live unrighteous any longer, but that we can live in righteousness in him and we can have holiness in our lives so that we can be accepted before God. Isn't that great news today, church? Isn't it great news to know that even yet I was still a sinner, he died for me, but even in my sin I can still find freedom and rejoice in the fact that he can deliver me out of my sin? Come on, that's just some good news. Can we just clap and give the Lord praise for the goodness of who he is? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin, God made to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank you, God, for that today. With tremendous, uh, what a tremendous picture Jesus paints for us as being our refuge for the unclean. 
Romans 3.25 says, Whom God hath set forth to be appropriation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness of, for the remission of his sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. 1 John 2 and 2 says, And he is the appropriation for our sins and not for our own only, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, the Bible reminds us that Christ is the one who redeems us. Scripture tells us that he is the appropriation. He's the one that's been set aside so that we can be holy today. All right? I know this is somewhat of a teaching slash preaching message, but just hang in there. It's going to be celebratory. I'm excited about what God's got for us today in his word to know that we are free in him. The Lord Jesus Christ, God says, I will not turn them over to you. They are in the city of life and the life that's more abundant. You see, when the enemy comes to God, God has a choice on how he releases you to the enemy. You say, well, I don't like for bad things to happen to good people. Well, I don't either, but things happen. And God allows these things to happen, but he also allows for protection if we're unable to take on what the enemy's trying to put us through. Job, a righteous man of God, was challenged by the enemy, and the enemy went to God for permission, right? He said, hey, if you'll just give me your servant Job, I can make him not want to love you and praise you. And he says, go ahead. And then he came back to him. He said, if you'll allow me to take this away from him, I can promise you he will denounce you and he will, not, he will not worship you. He said, go ahead. And we know the story of Job and we know how he was faithful unto almost death, sitting there being just attacked by the enemy, but yet he still stayed faithful. Which gives me courage today that no matter what the enemy may come against me with, I can stay faithful. Why? Because my God is faithful. My Savior that I serve is faithful. He holds me fast. He holds me in his strong right hand. He protects me. Why? Because of the nature of who he is. He is somebody that I can run to and find peace. He's somebody that I can run to and find protection. He is someone that I can be in his presence with and stay safe. As they appointed Kadesh in Galilee in the Mount the Mount Nephtali, which means my wrestling. And you remember the story of Jacob wrestled with God? This is where all of this developed from. When Jesus wrestled with the old rugged cross on a hill called Calvary, he was building a refuge for the sinner like me. When Jesus wrestled with the ghost of death, he built a bridge of life and safe haven for me and my soul to be able to cross over to him. When Jesus went down into the lower parts of the earth and destroyed the works of the devil, so no longer does that enemy or that evil one call the devil or Satan have a right to demand judgment on my soul. He wrestled with that situation. When we got up in the long ago in that old getting up morning, he punched a hole in the wall that separated me from the only hope for life. And when he ascended to the right hand of the Father in the throne of glory, he sat there as, as one that was there to speak on behalf of us as sinners. You see, there was a Savior that has set up a place of holiness and righteousness for us today so that we might be free. So he tells us a promise in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Can you just celebrate a little bit and say there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? So if you've allowed Jesus to be your Savior today, I don't care what somebody may look at you from the surface and judge you by. I don't care what they may think of who you are. I don't care what you might have done because there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus that is serving him and loving him. There's not anything. So I don't care what you look at today because this is just surface for you. I know what my God looks at inside of me. And he says I'm not condemned by my failures. I'm only set free and I'm only forgiven. And I'm only able to stand upright and blameless before him. Why? Because he sent his son to struggle and to wrestle on a mountain or on a hill. For I can have freedom and have hope and have joy in my life. The city, Shechem, is the second city, which means shoulder, and it designates strength or support. We all know that the good shepherd is one that's found the lost sheep. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15 that he laid it upon his shoulders and he brought it back. You remember the passage of Scripture in Isaiah 9 and 6 where the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ and the government shall rest upon his shoulders. You see, Jesus Christ today is not just that place that we can go to that he wrestled with for our freedom, but he's also strong in strength and stature and can handle the things that we have. And see, a lot of times as pastors, we put that burden upon our leadership because it says that he's a good shepherd that's leading the sheep, we sometimes try to equate that to our pastors and say, well, they're the shepherd of the flock. And, and we see the stories in the New Testament about how the shepherd is to go out and find the lost and, and, and bring them back into the fold and to take care of the sheep that he has. And there is some parallel there, but the good shepherd is Jesus Christ our Lord. He, the, this man and woman of God, can never be that good shepherd. That's not what they were meant for. Yes, they have broad shoulders. Yes, they're mighty men and women of God, but they can't handle the burdens of what you carry in your life because they are not your salvation. They are not your strength. They are not your deliverance. It's the good shepherd who is those things. It's the good shepherd that we go to that makes those things happen. And on this pastor appreciation morning, I just want to remind you, he's a mighty man of God, but he's still a man. He still just has strength in his own power on earth that comes from the Holy Spirit. He is not the good shepherd. Oh, but today we can go right on past the good man and go right into the holies of holies in the veil that used to be there that separated us. And we can go right on in to the good shepherd ourselves, and we can go before God whose shoulders are strong enough to take on my burdens whose shoulders are broad enough to hold my struggles whose shoulders are strong enough to carry me through my difficult season of life I can go straight to the good shepherd and on my behalf and say God I need you today I need you today listen I don't know where you are in this place in this morning but you can go to that city of Shechem, which means strength, and you can find that in Jesus Christ this morning. Don't try to go to man because you will be sorely disappointed. Number three, city, Hebron, Hebron means fellowship and fullness. We know that this city, Hebron, 
is a place where grapes did grow and the milk and honey did flow. And I'm not rapping today. I'm just telling you what I wrote down. <laughs> Hebron was a luscious, glorious, beautiful mountain. It was a place that whenever they, the spies went and saw all of the beautifulness of what that city offered, this is what that place is. And so what is that Tell me today that Christ, my strength, Christ, my Savior, Christ, the one who delivers me, is also my satisfaction today. Come on, church. Get a little excited about that because 1 John 1 and 3 says, And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I can find satisfaction in Him today. Amen. Hey, listen to me, folks, people of God. You ain't going to find your satisfaction in your spouse. Young people, you're not going to find your satisfaction in that person you think you're in love with. You're not going to find your satisfaction in the way that your parents parent you. You're not going to find your satisfaction in your job. Yes, I know leadership specialists say if you find what you love to do, then it will never be considered work. You'll just be doing what you love to do. Yeah, you can find peace and, and some satisfaction in the things that you do, but oh, the satisfaction that we can find in God is greater than even that work that we do as normal folks living on this earth. Why? Because He is our supplier. He is the one that has this beautiful mapped out plan for our life and if we can go to him as our savior, if we can go to him for the strength, then we can also go to him for the satisfaction in which he provides. Number four, city, Bezer, which means the stronghold or the fortification. Fortification is what Bezer means. It tells us not only is Christ our satisfaction that that's Hebron, but Jesus Christ is our security. Found a hiding place in the Lord Jesus Christ, the psalmist said. God is our refuge and strength. Proverbs 18 and 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Anytime I read these scriptures, I always think about the song. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in. And they are saved. I don't know. Do y'all do that when y'all read the Bible? Do I mean, I get sidetracked. I'm like, squirrel and the righteous. And I just start in this joyful little song and dance. And I'm like, you know, praise God. The good shepherd is our strength and our refuge. The Lord is our strong tower. The righteous run into it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run into it. And they are safe. He holds us in this city of protection. Fifth city is Ramoth, which is exalted or high place. The Bible says in Acts 2.33 that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God, exalted. There's not anybody else that I have to worry about going to. There's nothing else I have to think about. Why? Because Christ is exalted at the highest seat that there is, and I can go to him directly. He's at the right hand of the Father. The sixth city is Golan, which means separated separated. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, come out from among them and be separated, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Listen, this morning, church, Christ is all of these different things to us as these different cities were to Joshua's tribe, the children of Israel. That's who Christ is for us today. So Christ is our Savior. Christ is our strength. Christ is our satisfaction. Christ is our security. Christ is our sovereign God. And Christ is our sanctification. 
our separation from the things of this world. That's what Christ is for us today. When we sing songs of him being that righteous tower that we run to, and when we read the scripture in Psalms before we lead into the presence of the fact that I will build my life in God. Why do we sing songs like that? Why? Because it, it couples itself with the promises of what God's word says. And if you build your life in what man tells you, what will happen? It'll be like the unwise man who built his house on the sand. It will wash away. It will be destroyed when a circumstance comes. You can lose your job in an instant. There is nothing promised to man on this earth. The only promises we have are from God above. And so if you place yourself in God... If you place your life and build your hope in him, there is nothing that puts any stress on your life worrying about, well, will I wake up tomorrow and still have a job? And, and what if I do lose my job? Had you gotten yourself so upside down in debt that you can't walk away or allow or trust God to, to make a way for you? See, we allow the circumstances of this world to dictate our actions and attitudes on how we view God. I, listen, we all fall short and fail in life. We all mess up. We all get overextended at times, don't we? But at some point, we have to even realize in our ignorance there is wisdom in Jesus Christ. There is hope knowing that, yes, I've ignorantly got myself here. Oh, but praise God, I can still run to the city. Yeah, I've accidentally, y'all got to understand the story here. If you've accidentally murdered someone or you've done it unintentionally, there's so many times in our lives that we've done things unintentionally. We've done things accidentally. God's reminding us this morning that we can run to him still. We can go to him as our Savior. We can go to him as our strength we can go to him as our satisfaction we can go to him as our separation we can go to him even if we got ourselves in an ignorant situation that we realize that we've put ourselves here in our own wisdom and our own understanding who cares if you lose your job yes it's going to be terrible it's going to be detrimental and maybe you love your job who cares Listen, I know Dr. Garman said that our, some of our children will leave to, live to be 120, but they'll still die no matter how long they live. You sitting on this pew are still going to die no matter how old you are or how young you are. This life is simply temporary when you put it in the perspective of where we're going to be living for eternity. Okay, you lose your job. My faith is in God alone. My trust is in God. It's not in my job. It's not in myself, in my own ability. And I have to be careful with this in my own life is that sometimes I'll be so confident in my things that I do well uh, because, you know, I'm self-aware of what I do well at that I have to be mindful that it's still not me that is doing the goodness in what I'm doing. It's the power of God working through me. And so I must always stay humble and say, well, yeah, I may be good at this, but really it's because God's allowed or gifted me to be good at this. That's why he's gifted the body with different gifts so that we can all be good at something so that we can win together in the kingdom of God and go and change the world for the cause of Christ. But what's the last thing that I want to share with you? 
and you're whoever helps me can land, land the plane right here. First thing is the nature of the cities. The second thing was the name of the cities. The last thing is the nearness of the cities. You've got to understand when God spoke to Joshua and told him where to place the cities, there were three on each side of the river. And the first set of three were spoken, Kadesh was in the north. Then it went to the central and then it went to the south. And then Bezar was in the south. And then it went to the central and it went to the north. You've got to understand something today, church. Listen, I know the end of the story. That's why I'm so excited today. I don't care where you are in life. I don't care where you've gotten yourself accidentally in your own wisdom and understanding. God has set himself up to be near no matter where you are. When he set these cities up, they are all within a day's journey if you kind of clock it out from being on foot. So you accidentally kill somebody, you better set trot and get to the nearest city that's closest to you so that you can find refuge and then be held accountable but be able to walk through what happened so that maybe your life will be spared. Oh, God. God has spared us today, church. God says that he's close to us. He's nearer to us than any brother. He's nearer to us than any friend. He's nearer to us than anything that we can find ourselves in today. God is there. The righteous have faith, and he speaks this way, but we can run to him, and we can hear. And sometimes we get so caught up, and we say, oh, I don't feel God anywhere near me. Do you want me to tell you how you find God being near? He's near in your heart, and from your heart, out of your mouth. Well, I don't understand what you're saying. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks you don't fear near you don't feel near to god start speaking the word of god from your mouth and let his presence resonate around you and in you and through you and you will feel if you've got to have the holy goosebumps you will feel god so don't ever go to your pastor and say pastor i just don't feel god well listen you're going by your feeling not by your knowledge of what the Word of God says in the Word of God. Don't go by how you feel, because let me tell you something. Some women I've run into, if you go by how they feel, my God, whew, glory to God. they like a roller coaster at Bush Gardens. they up one day and down the next. And sometimes it changes in a wind spin of, of being on one of those fast roller coasters that goes 74 miles an hour. They're up one hour and down the next. It's not even a whole day. Now, some people call that menopause. I don't know. I'm not going to go through it, and I haven't experienced it with my wife yet. But uh, they say that there's changes in life that happen. If we go by feeling, we'll always miss out on what God's trying to say to us. Oh, but the good news today is, church, God is never too far away. 
God is never too far away to save that lost loved one that you've been praying for and asking God to deliver from whatever bondage may be over their life. God is not too far from them. God wasn't too far from you. He wasn't too far from me. Yeah, we're all sinners saved by grace today, but we were still in such a place that God was still close enough that His Spirit could draw me to Him and say, hey boy, go ahead and get your mind right. Get your life right. Get your thoughts right because I am the way I am the truth I am the life there is no other way to the father but through me so go ahead and make the decision to go after who I am in Christ and I don't care where they are today I don't care how far away they may feel there is a city of refuge in Jesus Christ one of the saddest stories that I read in the Bible and this is what I'm finishing with this morning is in 2 Samuel chapter 3. King David was the king. Joab was his chief commander. And he was there. King David was there. And Abner was one of his mighty warriors that fought on the battle lines for King David. Abner was an awesome, strong, powerful warrior. And there was this boy that come after Abner for some reason and wanted to kill him. His name was Asahel. The thing is, though, that was Joab's son. And Abner being the man that he was, told the little boy, kid, leave me alone. Quit chasing after me. Quit trying to kill me. I don't want to kill you. I don't want to harm you. Because, listen, Abner was powerful. He was like your pastor. He had muscles busting out of the seams. He was huge. He could just break the little kid, just snap him over. But the kid kept pursuing him. He was more athletic. He was more uh, energized. And he kept chasing after until finally he got close enough to Abner. And Abner said, dude, I don't want to kill you. But finally, because the kid would not listen, Abner took his spear, went behind his body, and stuck it into Ashnel's body and killed him. Now, Abner went to the city of refuge, Hebron. But when he got to the city, now listen to the story, church. When he got to the city, Joab was there. And he crossed into the city, but Joab said, Hey, Abner, come here and let me talk to you. And Abner, smart, mighty man, warrior, one of King David's closest soldiers, stepped across the city gate and was killed by Joab. And the story in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verses 34 and 35, talk about David lamenting over his warrior, Abner, and said he was not shackled, he was not bound, but yet in his foolishness he was killed. You know why that story is so sad? Because if he would have just taken one more step into the city, 
he would have been in a city of refuge. He would have been at Hebron, which is the Savior, the city called Savior. And you know what our problem is in life? Is many of us are right there at the gate with God. We're right there at the threshold with Jesus Christ. And we will not take that one more step and the enemy will drag us back out into the world. And all we had to do was just go to our Savior. All we had to do was just go to our Savior. As you all stand this morning in the house, I would be remiss to challenge you for a moment to spend in the altar. Maybe you're here this morning and you've heard stories of God and you think you live for God, but there's just something about your relationship that doesn't seem right. And you're at that gate today. You're at that city of Hebron. And you can choose this day to cross over and accept the Savior, Jesus Christ, or you can stay and walk away. If you're here this morning and that applies to you, I want to offer you an opportunity to go ahead and step into the city. If you're here this morning and you're struggling in your relationship with Christ, you're struggling in who God has called you to be, and purposed you to be. You've tried to do it in your own strength. You've tried to get your sons and daughters saved in your own power. You've tried to send people their way to talk to them. You've tried to talk to them yourself. You've tried to do it all on your own. Can you go to the city of strength, Shechem today? The city of our Savior and let Him handle your sons and daughters? They're not ours anyway, right? And if we've done the good old Church of God thing and given them back to God when they were a child anyway, they've never been ours. So why are we trying to do it in our strength? Let's go ahead and just surrender it to the Lord who is all-powerful and all-knowing. Maybe you're here today and you need healing in your body and you need a touch from the Savior. Maybe you're here today and you just don't feel satisfied in your relationship. Let me tell you something. Remind you of something, I guess. The journey of salvation in Christ is not an easy journey, but it is a joyful journey. It is a joyful journey. Your perspective just needs to change today in the joy of what God has for you. I don't, I, I don't want to belabor. If you need a touch and need to be healed or spoken to by God, our refuge, Christ, our refuge, these altars are open for you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen, I don't do the close my eyes and raise my hand thing. The Bible says if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father. And that's not a guilt trip. It's not a trying to justify anything. Listen, I love God. I celebrate God. I sing to God. I'm thankful for God. And if I live for Him and die in Him, then I still win, and I want you to win. And I want to win with you because the Bible says if you come to Christ, there's angels in heaven that rejoice. We're going to go over and celebrate pastor. But, man, the angels in heaven rejoice over one soul that comes to the kingdom. They have a party and they celebrate you for going ahead and making a decision to cross into the city. 
So are you here today? Would you step out of your pew wherever you are and come down here to this altar and just spend a few moments with your father? Would you come down and just spend a few moments with God? In whatever way, in whatever thing may have spoke to you today in the word, would you just step out from where you are? Come on down. Come on down and spend a few moments with Jesus.